you notice that Andrew brought a little lad to the Lord? Now, we might not see it evangelistically in that sense, that he brought the lad evangelistically to the Lord, but can you imagine this little boy? Can you imagine that he has just this meager amount of food for himself, and Andrew grabs him and brings him to the Lord, and then the lad himself sees the Lord multiply his little meager amount into that which feeds thousands? This is Timeless Truth Today, and I'm your host, Matt Williams. Welcome to part four of Pastor Lance Quinn's current series, John the Baptist and Jesus as Evangelists, taken from John's Gospel, chapter one. Today, Pastor Lance continues telling the stories, picking up where he was yesterday on John the Apostle's narrative of Jesus's first followers, Andrew, Philip, and Nathaniel. Philip's story was amazing, and that's why he's become known as a witnessing machine. The book of Acts of the Apostle, which follows John's gospel in the New Testament, records some of Philip's adventures in disciple-making. When, after Christ's ascension, the church was scattered by persecution, Acts chapter 8 records Philip's missionary work in Samaria, followed by his witness to the Ethiopian eunuch on the road to Gaza, and then up to Azotus. If Philip's spirit-driven witness continued, just imagine how far he did go with the gospel and where that Ethiopian, that government official, may have taken it. Here's Pastor Lance with part four of John the Baptist and Jesus as Evangelists. Open your Bibles to John chapter 1. Our last message in John chapter 1. And as we saw last time when we were in this particular text, John chapter 1, verses 38 to 51, we saw how both John the Baptist and Jesus himself are said to be evangelists. They point others to the truth of salvation. John the Baptist points to Jesus himself. And yet even Jesus points us to his heavenly Father, to the way of salvation, to the truth of the gospel. And I think that there's a real key here in their evangelism. And it's a key for us. And it is something like this. We, as Jesus' disciples should also point others to the Lord and to the truth of His saving word. That's what we are. That's really the essence of what I want you to see from this marvelous text of Scripture, John chapter 1, verses 38 to 51. You follow along as I read. John 1, beginning in verse 38. And Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What do you seek? They said to Him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He found first his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which translated means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas which is translated Peter. The next day he purposed to go into Galilee, and he found Philip. And Jesus said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida of the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? 
Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see the heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This morning in our time together, I want us to see two very clear principles about pointing others to the Lord. Two very clear principles. And I want us to see those principles as coming in and through the lives of these three men, Andrew, Philip, and Nathaniel. And then I want to give three points of application as we close, all right? Here's the first of the two principles that I want us to see this morning. And it's for all of us, every one of us who names the name of Christ. True disciples of Jesus seek to find other disciples. True disciples of Jesus seek to find other disciples. In other words, we are looking for reproducing disciples. Reproducing disciples. In in another context, we might be able to say it like this. Now, this stings a little bit, but there really aren't any other things than reproducing disciples. Because that's the essence of what it means to be a disciple, that you're bringing other disciples and you're pointing them to Christ. That's the essence of what it means to know Christ, that you not only know Him yourself, but you're so overwhelmed with Him, you're so in love with Him, you so want to serve and obey Him that you do what He says. And what He says is, bring others to me. As I have brought others to the Father, I want you to bring others to me. True disciples of Jesus seek to find other disciples. It's the very nature of genuine disciples of Christ to find other disciples themselves. And I want to look at this principle through these three lives, beginning with the life of Andrew. Look back at verse 40. Notice what it says in John 1.40. One of the two who heard John speak... One, of course, being Andrew, and we're just about to find out about him. The other, presumably, being John, John the Apostle, who is writing these words. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And then notice verse 41. He found first his own brother, Simon. Let those words sink into your mind. In fact, even the Greek text gives us the sense of the priority of Andrew's life. Now, admittedly, he's a brand new disciple of Jesus, but he has been, presumably for a long time, the disciple of John the Baptist. And when John the Baptist points to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, John the Baptist is saying, I want you to be pointed now to the Messiah, and I want you to follow him. And so he's had some background in Judaism, of course. He has a Greek name, but he's Jewish by birth. And he now follows the Lord Jesus. And in the first act 
of His discipleship, the Bible says in verse 41, He found first His own brother Simon. Don't miss that. That's terribly essential. That's incredibly crucial. Because it tells us that the first thing that Andrew desired to do and the first thing that God had called him to do and the first thing that God led him to do was to find his brother and say, we have found Messiah, which translated means Christ. We found him. The one in whom we have been looking all our lives is here. In other words, he's living out the very principle that I'm giving you, and that is disciples of Jesus Christ seek to find other disciples of Christ. And they lead those persons to Jesus so that they can become those disciples of the very one to whom they themselves are serving. That is, he's living out the principle of true disciples of Jesus are always and ever seeking to find other disciples. John the Baptist found Andrew. Andrew found Jesus. And now Andrew is pointing Simon to Jesus. Do you see how it works? That's really the essence of 2 Timothy 2.2. And these things that I'm teaching you, Paul tells Timothy, and these things I want you to entrust to these who are faithful so that they may be able to teach others also. You know, in that one verse in 2 Timothy 2.2, there are four generations of disciples. Paul, Timothy, faithful men, and teaching others also. That's disciples finding other disciples and teaching them the truth of discipleship. And that's what Andrew is doing. That's who he is. Indeed, look at John chapter 6. John chapter 6. You might not have thought of it this way, but here's an example of Andrew leading someone else to seeing and perceiving the Lord. You remember this particular event in the life of our Lord in John chapter 6? There was a large crowd who followed him according to verse 2 because they saw the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. And then Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat down with his disciples Verse 4, now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was near. Therefore, Jesus, lifting up his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these may eat? Verse 6, this he was saying to test him, for he himself knew what he was intending to do. Verse 7, Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, for everyone to receive a little. But I want you to notice verse 8. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are these for so many people? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. And then, of course, as you know, he multiplied this food and they all ate and were satisfied. You notice that Andrew brought a little lad to the Lord. Now, we might not see it evangelistically in that sense, that he brought the lad evangelistically to the Lord. But can you imagine this little boy? Can you imagine that he has just this meager amount of food for himself and Andrew grabs him and brings him to the Lord and then the lad himself sees the Lord multiply his little meager amount into that which feeds thousands? You think that maybe that little boy might have been impacted by Jesus? 
You see, it may not just be that you and I can share the gospel of the Lord. We also can share the gospel in such a way that even if our meager efforts aren't totally effective, maybe somebody else can down the road. We never know. We never know what the Lord is going to do. And even if you and I have the privilege of sharing the gospel with someone for the first time they've ever heard it, maybe the Lord would give us the privilege as well to see them come to Christ right then and right there. Have you ever had that privilege? It is such an awesome privilege. And I know we overuse that term, awesome, but it truly is for you and I to be used by God as an instrument of grace in the lives of other people, especially sharing the Lord with someone so that they have their eyes opened and that they see Jesus Christ for who he truly is. There is nothing greater in the Christian life than by knowing that you're used by God to bring others to faith in Christ. True disciples seek to bring other disciples to Christ. Not just Andrew. How about Philip? Look at verse 43 of John chapter 1. This is what Philip has done. And this is how Philip himself was impacted. And I note here in verse 33 something marvelous that's happening. Verse 43, the next day he, that is Jesus, purposed, note that, he purposed to go into Galilee and he found Philip. You notice that Jesus, as we talked about last time, was also on a mission and that he purposed to go into Galilee. And what did he purpose to do? The text tells us so plainly, he purposed to go into Galilee so that he might find Philip. And Jesus said to him, follow me. It wasn't just some kind of random happenstance that he was walking in Galilee and he happened to see a certain man named Philip, which by the way is a Greek name, but he also was Jewish. And that he said, oh, here's somebody I might be able to point to my heavenly father. No, he purposed to go into Galilee so that he might find a young man named Philip so that he might ask him, command him to follow him so that Philip himself might ultimately be one of the apostles of the church. See, there's a divine design going on. And Philip is one of those. And when he sees the very modeling of what Jesus has done for him in finding him, what does Philip do? Verse 44. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida of the city of Andrew and Peter. In other words, they knew each other. They had grown up together. And in verse 45, Philip did what? Don't miss that word. Don't miss it. Jesus found Philip. And Philip did what? He found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. We found the Lord. He pointed as a disciple of Jesus to Jesus so that someone else might become a disciple. That's the bread and butter of Christianity. That's why we're here. That's what we're all about. Making disciples of Jesus Christ. Did not Jesus say in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, go discipling, right? Discipleizing. That's the way we could say it. The essence of the Christian life, the essence of our mission, our duty is to discipleize. It is to be used of the Lord to bring people who are would-be disciples 
into the kingdom by telling them, we've found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. You say, yes, and I've done that many, many times. And every single time someone has said, I don't care. I don't care about Jesus. I don't want to follow the Lord. That's often the response. But didn't Jesus even himself say, fear not, little flock. It's always going to be small. It's always going to be the narrow way. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. And narrow is the way that leads to life. And we don't know how many people the Lord is intending to use us to bring to Christ. And in one sense, that really doesn't matter. Because it's His job to do that. It's our job to scatter the seed. And He will produce the results. We just go to everyone in our sphere of influence and we scatter that spiritual seed and we endeavor to find those who are genuine disciples of Jesus Christ and we let God worry about the results. In fact, that could be a good definition of what witnessing is all about. You take the initiative to spread the word of God and the cross of Jesus Christ to others and you allow God to worry about the results. That's what Philip is doing. You say, how effective was Philip? Oh, this is amazing. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 8. You want to see if Philip got the message of Jesus finding him and then Philip endeavoring to find others like his brother Nathaniel? You, you see this. This is amazing. Acts chapter 8, verse 5. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and began proclaiming Christ to them. That's his heart. In fact, he became so known as a proclaimer of Christ that we know him as Philip the Evangelist. And he began proclaiming Christ to them. The crowds with one accord, verse 6 says, were giving attention to what was said by Philip as they heard and saw the signs which he was performing. Verse 12, but when they believed Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were being baptized men and women alike. Verse 25, so when they had solemnly testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they started back to Jerusalem and were preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. They were reaching out to non-Jews. And then verse 26, but an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. So many of you have heard about Gaza in the news today, right? That's where he was. Verse 27, so he got up and went and there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship and he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. You say, well, that's easy because he got divine revelation. Well, it's because the New Testament hadn't yet been fully written. He needed the Lord to tell him where to go and what to do. And verse 30 says it. Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, do you understand what you are reading? Hey, that, that's a great evangelistic question, right? You read the Bible? Oh, yes, I've read the Bible. Do you understand what you read? And he said, well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the passage of Scripture which he was reading was this. And is this poignant for our morning message? He was led as a sheep to slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearers is silent, 
So he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation? For his life is removed from the earth. The eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom does the prophet say this? And Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. As they went along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? Verse 38, And he ordered the chariot to stop, And they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch no longer saw him, but went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he kept preaching the gospel to all the cities until he came to Caesarea. Philip was a witnessing machine. And the Lord wanted just to snatch him away and put him in in another spot and say, tell him again. Tell him again. This is amazing. And this all started from Philip being found by Christ. It's amazing. By the way, it's the only time in the gospel that you and I are seeing Jesus specifically initiating the finding of someone. Isn't that amazing? No wonder he becomes Philip the evangelist of Acts 8. This is an amazing thing. How about Nathaniel? Here's the, the third person mentioned here. He finds, does Philip, Nathaniel, and he says, Nathaniel, we found him. And then in verse 47, Jesus saw Nathaniel coming to him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit, there is no guile. And Nathaniel said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. You remember I said to you last time that this could be spoken somewhat literally, right? He was literally under the fig tree and Jesus saw him. Or, as is the case in the language of the day, that phrase, sitting under the fig tree, could be spoken of metaphorically to be a person, whether they're sitting under a fig tree or not, who is actually, by that phraseology, speaking of someone who's meditating on the Scripture. Now, we know that if he's a man without guile, and if he's an Israelite indeed, then maybe either literally sitting under that fig tree reading the Scripture, or figuratively reading or meditating on the Scripture, Jesus has been found by his brother Philip. Philip comes to him. He tells him about the Lord. He comes to the Lord, and the Lord miraculously says, I saw you. He knows that he's the Lord, and he says what he says in verse 49. Rabbi, you are the Son of of God, you are the king of Israel. He's converted right on the spot. The Lord comes to him. These are three examples that John wants us to see in black and white terms who are those disciples who see immediately the need to reach out to others so that they might become disciples. Folks, this is not just some kind of narrative where John tells us about people whom Jesus found. It's about people whom Jesus found who then seek to find others. That's what we're being taught. That's what we're being convicted by. We're all being convicted by this, even as I speak, because all of us know that it is our job, it is our joy, even in our job, to bring others to the Lord. You're listening to Timeless Truth Today. Pastor Lance started today's teaching saying that a key part of the Christian gospel is, quote, 
We, as Jesus' disciples, should point others to the Lord and to the truth of his saving word. That's what we are, end quote. Yes, our salvation means justification, forgiveness of our sins, heaven bound. That is promised, but we're also saved to tell others. And if we forget about that, then we're not following our Lord Jesus' command. There's always more to hear and learn on our website, timelesstruthtoday.org timelesstruthtoday.org. On the homepage, click Broadcast, and there you'll find the complete archive of Pastor Lance's teachings. Timeless Truth Today is a teaching ministry of Pastor Lance Quinn and a listener-supported outreach of Bethany Bible Church in Thousand Oaks, California. If you're in the area, you're invited to come worship with us come Sunday at 10.30 a.m. at 200 West Bethany Court in Thousand Oaks, California. Whether it's in person or through the live stream, you'll find the information you need at bethanyto.org. Listen tomorrow as we conclude this series, part five of John the Baptist and Jesus as Evangelists. Till then, I'm Matt Williams. Thank you for listening to Timeless Truth Today.